Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a rebroadcast of a segment on Talkback with Chuck Wilder, broadcast from Hollywood Hills, California, and syndicated nationally on the CRN Digital Talk Radio Network. Everybody's talking at me. CRN, Chuck Wilder here. Let me tell you about my guest, Frank Savato, partner at TRR Consulting Firm. Uh, that's a reputation management organizational strategies group. He also serves as managing editor for the New Media Journal. Been writing and all his writing recognized by the U.S. House International Relations Committee, the Japan Center for Conflict Prevention. His analysis has been published by the American Enterprise Institute, Washington Times, Accuracy in Media, and is syndicated nationally. Uh, appeared on the O'Reilly Factor way back then on Fox News. Uh, author of six books examining the internal and external threats facing our country. wonder if he's writing one about uh, the Democrat. Well, uh, he's the host of the Underground on the Underground Podcast Network. That's undergroundpodcastnetwork.com. Hello, Frank. How are you? Mr. Wilder, good to talk to you again. How you doing? You too, sir. And uh, I know we're going to talk about the Green Revolution a little bit. That was the one that went on in Iran. So now they're having uh, the uh, Hong Kong. I don't know. What what would you call it? Yellow Revolution? I'm not sure. No, but, uh, they haven't thrown, a, they haven't thrown a, a moniker on it yet because the media is not really covering it the way that they should be. You know, that's uh, when you're the... When you when the media latches on to make you the flavor of the day, they like to give you nicknames. But uh, yeah. they haven't done adequate coverage of the protests in Hong Kong yet, so that remains to be seen. Yeah, and you wonder. I don't wonder because uh, the mainstream media. I mean, it seems like even Fox could have jumped on it a little bit more, and maybe One American News may be covering it better than anyone else. But I think you know, waving those American flags. And even mentioning the Constitution or something like that, probably especially threw off the uh, left-wing media, wouldn't you think? Well, yeah, and that's, uh, you know, what we're seeing here, to, to give some background, what we're seeing here in Hong Kong is, is nothing less than what we saw in Iran during 2008 mm-hmm. after, Obama, after Obama was in office. It's, it's people who were, who were promised freedom and promised a voice and promised uh, uh, the, the prosperity that comes along with freedom and a free market, who are being oppressed 
Uh, the people in Hong Kong uh, during the British ha- handover were, were promised by the Chinese government that that the communist Chinese government style would not return to Hong Kong and that there would be freedoms, uh, that capitalist would remain, uh, capitalism would remain the economic system there. And mm-hmm. it's, they've slowly encroached upon that to absorb it back into communist China. That's what these people are protesting about in the streets in, in Hong Kong, and it's turned violent for the last month and a half. Uh, especially, and they're waving American flags, asking for help. You know, this is the this is the moment when when every American politician who likes to thump chest on the campaign trail about the benefits of freedom and how we stand for freedom around the world, this is the time to walk the walk. And right yeah. now, we're seeing nothing. I mean, you know, Obama uh, totally ignored the green. Uh, revolution mm-hmm. and we you know if you're if you're like me and you think Obama probably liked Iran better than America that's just my opinion I could understand him doing that uh, but Trump uh, ignoring it, it it doesn't quite uh, make as much sense for some reason and uh, well, he, he has addressed it when he's talked about the tariffs but yeah, it hasn't yeah. been a, a a critical key point in those negotiations when we're talking about trade with China, and and intellectual property stabilization between China and the United States. Um, it, it, this, the freedom of Hong Kong and securing that freedom, and I'll even go as far as to say their China's relationship with Taiwan because they're still saber rattling over over Taiwan, which is a, mm-hmm. a a free and sovereign nation. You know, these are things that should be in, engaged in our negotiations with them over trade. We are the biggest consumer nation in the world. China needs us because they have a hybrid economy of of, of uh, a socialist, communist, and and capitalist system. So they need us to to be able to stabilize their economy and and the Western countries. We've got a lot of leverage over them to force them to do what they promised they would do, and for whatever reason, that's not coming into the negotiations that are coming into play about the tariffs. So it is a question. Yeah. Coming up on the break here, a few things I'll throw out for the uh, after the break with you. Uh, Number one, you know, Iran, uh, the Iranian, especially the youngsters, got into wearing Western clothes, listening to Western music, Mm -hmm. and it was that taste of freedom. You know, and when I was in the Navy, I went to Hong Kong when it was still under British control. It was going to be turned over the next year or something. And see, same thing, you know, if you've had that taste of freedom, you sort of get a different attitude about uh, how you'd like to live in this uh, wonderful place called Earth, all right? Um, Don't hear the music, but my clock's got to be right. We're going to take a break. Frank Savato uh, is going to be back, and it's the undergroundpodcastnetwork.com. We'll continue with this report in just a moment. Everybody's talking at me. CRN, my guest, Frank Savato, managing editor of the New Media Journal, also a host of the Underground uh, Podcast Network. Uh, that is, uh, is that on... Six days, uh, seven days, or just one day a week? I'm not sure on that. It, it's one one day a week right now. It's, it, I've got several shows on there, but the, the one that I host is the Underground, uh, UndergroundUSA.com. Uh, you know, it, it's, and it's amazing you even have time for that. And uh, I'm still <laughs> waiting for another, another heads up and update on uh, radical Islam, you know, because you're so good at that. You know, have you ever been to Hong Kong, by the way? Uh, you ever I, get over I there? have not been to Hong Kong. 
Yeah, like I said before, you know, uh, when I was in the Navy, we had uh, duty there for a while, and uh, uh, and I was in radar, and I'll just tell you real quick, it's uh, the hardest port in the world if you're a radarman, because, you know, the little boats have the right-of-way. A lot of people don't realize <laughs> And mm-hmm. they do have yeah. a couple of little boats, like maybe 1,500 at a time right there <laughs> around your area. But I remember, I mean, we, you know, after you visit all the other countries, there's always something. I don't know what it is, but when, you, when we got to uh, Hong Kong, see, all of a sudden, it was like almost like you'd gone to an American, a, a, a fabulous port in America, you know, with so many things going on uh, and all different, very multicultural. Uh, and it was uh, like, hey, I've just got out of it. But you could go right across, you know, on the ferry and get into communist China. Pretty easy right. to do. And I bring this up because here this revolt's going on. You're in, in, as you describe it in your report, a violent battle, you know, against the communist chinese government and listener if you remember the tanks you know they are mm-hmm. a violent chinese government if if they yeah, get po'd Tiananmen yeah, Square. yeah if they get po'd watch out and you know what just happened was two days ago or yesterday they just opened the largest airport in beijing in the world and i watched a video on it and it's my goodness talk about state of the art and it'll be the largest airport in the world and they already have another one so now they have two airports in Beijing, so apparently it's not stopping any construction, is it? Oh no! And and this is you know we we keep talking about products made in China and and uh, and the trade with China. China has created for itself a hybrid economy that takes the benefits of capitalism with the production capability of communism. The people over there are not getting rich on the things that that they're manufacturing and exporting over there. The government still controls the means of mm-hmm. production. But the, the capitalist wealth that's created from the sale of, the, of this stuff is fueling the communist government over there. So, the, you know, when, when we buy something at Walmart or, or any of the Costco that you see the made in China, it's not that the Chinese people who are making this are entrepreneurs like like we have over here. Yeah, the communist government may, gleans the lion's share of the profit that is created from that from that wealth creation, not the people. And the people, you know, if now if you're religious or if you're not, you know, going with their communist doctrine, and I and correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, you need to go to indoctrination camps, they call them, and I'm kind of. Figuring out a lot of those indoctrination camps are the ones that are making all these wonderful little Chinese goods that we're getting over here. The, the government, and I'll say this again, the government controls the means of production. So if uh-huh. you are being held by the government for disciplinary or re-education, you still have to work. And, and you work where the government tells you to work. The factories over there, it's not like you can aspire to open up your own factory over in China. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to be connected with the Communist Party to have that kind of, of and I use this word very loosely, freedom to be able yeah. to do that. You know, it's all about the Communist Party in mainland mm-hmm. China. If, if you're part of, part of the party, then you get to move up in the system of elitism over there. If you are just a worker bee over there, you live in, in a gray little place doing a gray little job with very few freedoms. And you had mentioned this before the break, and it was, it's a very brilliant point. When you don't know what freedom is, you don't know what you're missing. But when you have a taste of it, and then people try to take it away from you, 
you fight the hardest you can. And that's why we're seeing what we're seeing in Hong Kong. That's why we saw what we saw over in Iran, because their parents are the people who were in the streets in, right. in, in Tehran during the, during the Orange Revolution. They remember what happened before the Mullahs came into power. So those stories still live on. The people in the streets in Hong Kong literally remember what it was like when they had freedoms under British rule. So oh, yeah, if, if you've yeah. always had freedom, you don't know what oppression is. If you've always been oppressed, you don't know what freedom is. When you live in that gray area, it, it becomes a battle for life and death because freedom becomes the, the very breath you breathe. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the uh, Iranian teenagers, as I understand, they were actually getting to listen to rock and roll, American rock and roll music. And you and I, you know, old-timers, we know how that is. I mean, you know, it's like talk radio. Wait a minute. Where's the music? You know what I'm saying? Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, really. The the culture over in Iran before 1979 was Mm -hmm. keeping pace with the West. You know, so being able to listen to, to popular music over there today is almost an underground type of activity. If they yeah. find out that you're you're doing it, women who used to be able to wear blue jeans and not right. have to cover up, now they have people over there who did the besiege who walk through the streets, and if you are dressed inappropriately, you can disappear. Mm-hmm. You know, I know so uh, this is the kind of oppression yeah. that exists over in Iran today that the Obama administration completely ignored when they were screaming to help. They were screaming. These people were dying in the streets, yeah. begging the United States and the West to help them, and, and the West ignored them. And we're kind of seeing the same response here with Hong Kong. And we saw what, what ignoring the, the Orange Revolution in Iran did. It empowered the mullahs over there. So if we don't act to help the freedom fighters who are in the streets in Hong Kong right now, as a Western world, and I'm not just pointing fingers at the politicians in the United States, I'm talking about Britain, Germany, France, every free nation in the West. We need to apply pressure to the Chinese Communist government saying, you gave your word, leave these people be free. If Mm -hmm. we don't do it, it's going to empower the Communist Chinese, and they're going to take over one of the biggest economic centers in Asia. You know, I have uh, a guest, uh, Kimberly Dvorak. She's a reporter for out in San Diego and also One American News and uh, all kind of credentials. And uh, when the Iranian thing was going on, uh, she was really reporting on all these people that would disappear. You know, just Mm -hmm. you protest, we throw you in the back of the truck and uh, nope, your license, we hope, burned in the fire or not your license, but your identity. And it's absolutely terrible. I wanted to touch on another country here real quick before we get into this whole uh, impeachment stuff that I'm sure you might want to mention. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Nothing really going on there. Yeah. Venezuela. Uh, have they had a touch of this freedom, too? I, I think they have. I know they could carry guns, and then they said, yeah, we'll give our guns up, no problem, and then that's when uh, the whole thing fell. Uh, how, what's your rating on that? Have they, have they had even more freedom than they were getting over in Iran, or or what? Well, well you got to remember the, the transition when Chavez came to power, before Chavez right. came to power uh-huh. in, in Venezuela and, and subsequently Maduro. It was, a, country. it was a relatively free nation. They did. They had great trade. They had uh, the number four oil reserves in the world. The economy was fantastic, and it was a destination. 
uh, when when Chavez came over, it was under the promise of you know we've got we've got natural wealth here, and, and the Venezuelans deserve it instead of the foreigners who are coming in raping our land. Mm-hmm. And everybody thought that sounded pretty good. And all of a sudden, the government took control of things, and little by little, they encroached on the freedoms because the elitists of socialism always end up being the upper class. The middle class is erased, and everyone else falls into the lower class. And that's exactly what's happened now, when you have to fight to get toilet paper. Yeah. And, and if you or I were to send somebody down there a case of toilet paper, maybe two rolls would get to the person you sent it to, because the government takes the rest. Boy, and you know the Dems were jumping up and down about uh, Trump lying and not giving them enough aid and all this stuff. And this was uh, the hurricane. And here, you know, one of the mainstream media networks, I don't remember which one it was, I think it was MSNBC, goes out and does a report and talking to the the head honcho lady over there, uh, who ended up, I think, getting all the kickbacks, and talking about we're not, we don't have enough water, there's no water. But they did the report in front of those all those pallets that were full of the drinking water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like, Duh, what are you talking about? I don't know how they edit that out. Probably say, let's get a green screen and put some dying children in the background or something. I don't know. Our floodwaters. Yeah, the, but the Puerto Rican thing is is should be the sh- the shame the shameful moment for the mainstream yeah. media media with the narrative that that we didn't send Puerto aid. Rico. Yeah, it was almost as if uh, yeah, it was almost like the docks in a third world African country where the warlords take everything and lord it over people to control them. The corruption that happened in Puerto Rico was was just embarrassing, and for and for them to scream they didn't get enough. And we're starting to see it with the indictments that are coming down. The corruption at the high the corruption at the highest levels down there. So it's it's all coming out in the uh-huh. wash. But there was a lot of aid that went to Puerto Rico, and a lot of people got rich at the expense of people who were suffering. Yeah. Now then, in your opinion, okay, uh, do you think? Everything that went down yesterday when uh, we finally got to, got to hear the phone call and uh, the the whistleblower who actually said, "I well, I really didn't know anything, didn't hear anything, but I, you know." And then you find out he hates Trump, and that's you know, it's almost like uh, struck and page there. Uh, do you think it was a gotcha for uh, President Trump? Because as I understand, he kind of leaked it out in hope that this guy would run with it and give it to the Democrats, and then the Democrats would raise hell, and then they would release the whole thing. And that that was his plan. And I'll tell you one thing uh, real quick. The donations to the Trump campaign, they have, like, quadrupled in the last couple of days, and especially after yesterday. This was uh, I saw on the news last night. Well, you, when you look, the big question everyone should be asking right now is: is why did why was access to somebody who wanted to do to to bastardize information for political purposes allowed to be leaked from the White House? Mm-hmm. So Trump said a long time ago he was going to find the people who were the moles in the White House. He's going to get rid of them. So this is this this was a, a fairly good trap. That said, uh-huh. it's not illegal for a president of the United States to have a talk with another world leader and say, you know what? We look at this as, as something that's corrupt. You guys might want to look into it. There's 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 nothing wrong with this. Matter of fact, that's on the on, that's on the side of justice. That's on the side of doing the right thing. Yeah, you know, well, Frank. So, so that would kind what, of be like, uh, let's oh, say, this is horrible. We can't we can't have him doing this. He tried to cover yeah. up. What was he trying to cover up? The fact that he was giving good counsel to another <laughs> world leader. Would that be kind of like 
let's just I'll throw a name out, uh, Obama, okay? Obama gets on the phone and says, you tell Medved that uh, once the election's over uh, that I'll have more flexibility and we'll get more stuff done that you'll like, and, uh, but you've got to wait until after the election. And, uh, uh, oh, are we being recorded? I didn't know we were being recorded. Uh, kind of yeah, like the same that's, thing. That's 50 times worse, and he did it <clears throat> on a hot mic on a television set. Yes. <laughs> but see, it's the other side. And that, you know what, I'm going to tell you that... Even if people were, you know, on the on the fence, so to speak, on one side or the other, uh, when you see what they're getting away with, you know, Hillary, Biden, all of them, you know, and this uh, Nadler, talk about two-faced what he was saying in 1999 about, no, this is not grounds for impeachment, this is not grounds for impeachment, and now you just substitute, yes, this is grounds for impeachment, this is grounds for impeachment, the, when he was protecting, you know, Clinton with the Starr investigation, uh, I'm thinking that, I'm hoping that a lot of people on the other side are waking up to, you know, and then I watched a bunch of uh, mainstream media TV last night, you know, just flipping back and forth, and boy, I had never seen it so bad. They would just say, they would make it out like the whole phone call. Hey, how you doing? Listen, I want you to get Joe, I want you to get uh, uh, Biden, Biden, I want you to go after Biden. Uh, do me a favor, will you go after Biden? Go after Biden. You know, that's not the way it went down. My goodness. So, Re- remember that words matter to the left, and they use particular words. <clears throat> and uh, this is this is an Alinsky thing. You haven't mm-hmm. heard them say high crimes and misdemeanors. They use the words inappropriate and improper all the time. And those are subjective terms. They are <clears throat> not terms that would ever be used in a court of law or in an impeachment proceeding. That's why it's not an impeachment proceeding that Nancy Pelosi actually unveiled. It was an inquiry into impeachment. These are all manufactured things in order to keep the pressure on, which is an Alinsky rule. Yeah. And so the, it, so li- listen to the words. Inappropriate mm-hmm. behavior is subjective. The left, of course, believes going after the left is inappropriate. It's improper to not allow the left to run roughshod over our society and push the country further to the left. But to us on the right, it's absolutely appropriate. It's absolutely proper. So subjective terms don't lead to impeachment hearings. And that's what you're hearing in the media, are subjective terms. See, and I'm hearing that the jihad squad is having so much influence <laughs> over, over Nancy. Okay. Yeah, I really myself, I don't think... That those three little ladies are four and a half or three and a half or whatever. And especially, uh, you know, she wants her whole name mentioned, Cortez. So I'm doing her the justice of mentioning at least her initials. So I'm calling it A.O. Cortez. All right. Uh, supposedly, you know, I heard that Nancy was saying, yeah, I had to agree with her. We do have to go after him and blah, blah, blah. But now I'm hearing, well, Nancy Pelosi's going to have to try to figure out a way to get out of this. But I think she's already gone off the cliff. Uh, we got about 15 seconds. we got to take a break. But do you think she's gone off the cliff? Well, she's certainly gone farther than she needed to go and, and given more credence to the mod squad uh, than, than she has. Uh, AOC only got 4% of her own district in the vote to get her elected, <laughs> so I don't know why she's pandering to her. Boy, all right. I'm just wondering if impeachment is going to take the place of the most existential threat we have is no longer global warming. It's Trump. They ought to start using that. That'll work. <laughs> yes. All right. We're going to be right back. Frank Sabato, the underground podcast network.com. You'll find him there. 
He's the managing editor of the New Media Journal and uh, always has fantastic input. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Everybody's talking at me. Chuck Wilder, CRN, with my guest Frank Savato. And uh, Frank, you're on YouTube also, right? Uh, Facebook, I'm sorry, Facebook. Yeah, the, we're on, uh, we're, we got a Facebook page. Um, the Underground USA has got a YouTube channel that it's really just a, um, an outstretch of the podcast, but uh, you still get the same information. And on Facebook, you do Frank Savato, S A L V A T O, is that right? Yeah, that's my personal page. New Media Journal is on uh, is on Facebook. There's a group and the entity page, and then the Underground is on there as well. Everywhere he's everywhere, but right now he's right here. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you. So, what do you think <clears throat> is is, is going to happen with this uh, impeachment? Um, is it really, really, really going to hurt the Democratic Party? I think it is, and I, I. I don't know. Nancy Pelosi, she ought to be worried. I, I was kind of jokingly saying yesterday that she probably, or the day before when she declared the impeachment, that somebody came up and said, you're not going to be third in line anymore if you don't do what we say. You know, third in line for the president of the United States. That's pretty scary, isn't it? Well, it's, that's always been scary when it comes to Nancy Pelosi, but uh, we, we need to understand that even though you, even though Pelosi's got to listen to her base a little bit, mm-hmm. she's not really someone who's shaken. She's been around the block, so to have people like, like Nadler or Aok or or Talib or any of the <laughs> other the lesser knowns with the big mouths saber rattle against Pelosi. Pelosi had it right the first time around. These people got like four percent to fifteen percent of their own vote. They're backbenchers. They don't have a lot of clout because they can't pass bills, so she doesn't pay attention to them. What she's paying attention to now is the solidification of the base going into the 2020 election so that they can move to start capturing the middle. What's what's happening now with Biden uh, going the wayside and Warren overtaking him in the polls shows me that the base of the Democratic Party is violently left, and they're going to have a very hard time capturing the middle going into 2020 because they have no moderate voice in their party. Yeah. I mean, if they can't elect Hillary as a female, how are you going to elect, uh, I thought I was an Indian, you know, Warren? You know what I, I saw on Facebook, and, you know, you cannot rely on a lot of things on Facebook, but apparently she drew a crowd of 60,000, and I looked at the picture. It looked like, well, there might be, you know, 700 there. And then I asked the question in my comment, do you think they were counting all of their genders? That they represent, and it came out to sixty thousand. <laughs> you, you know, it's always always look at at different angled pictures. We saw this during the last two elections, when the Democrats kept saying that they had fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand yeah. people at this rally. And if you take a, if you find pictures from the events that are that are raw instead of edited, you see that they push people to the front to make the stage look crowded. So. Uh, look at words too. If they said we reached sixty thousand people on this last rally, well, reach on yeah. Facebook means it went through a news feed, not that somebody read it. And one of the so obvious they, giveaways, they like to manipulate uh-huh. words when it comes to stuff like that. One of the obvious giveaways, whenever they were doing that, you know, that reflection mirror, whatever it is in Washington D.C., they call you know mm-hmm. where all those people mm-hmm. line up, Nick, and uh, and they were showing you that the results they were reporting were absolutely wrong but at that time i think they were trying to say that trump had nobody there 
But then they, you know, swung around and said, oh, look out here behind uh, the fence. Yes, so, hey, Frank, the big big thing with that is to to remember that it's about their message. It's not about their crowd size, because you can get a bunch of deaf people to listen to a rock concert. doesn't mean they heard the music. Ah, very, boy, I'm going to write that down if you get it. No, I don't have enough time (laughs) to write it down, because we have to say adios to Frank Savato. And uh, it's the underground podcastnetwork.com, Facebook, YouTube, the new media, the new media journal. It's a, I always just start losing it about this time right here. Yes, okay. Hey, thank you, Frank. <laughs> Look forward to our next visit. Have a, we'll have a nice day. We'll talk to you soon, sir. All right. Alex Newman, he's coming up next. This podcast segment has been brought to you by the Emerald Coast Tea Company, makers of all-natural, handcrafted, exotic blend teas. When it comes to tea, no matter what your preference, the Emerald Coast Tea Company has a tea or tea blend just for you. Order yours today at emeraldcoastteacompany.com. If you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please subscribe to our podcast, like us, and share us with your friends. The Underground USA podcasts can be heard on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spreaker, and accessed through the Himalaya podcast app for all your smart devices. This podcast is a production of Underground USA, accessible at undergroundusa.com.